What's up, Midas Mighty, and welcome to the Midas Touch podcast. Brett already making some funny faces before the podcast starts. Smiling is a smiling is a funny face. I don't know if that's a smile. That's a funny looking face you were making there. We could do the Midas rewind. Another funny face you're doing. We've literally got a- literally just smiling. This this has just started off incredibly offensive. Of this has been become incredibly <laughs> offensive right <laughs> off the bat. <laughs> Everybody has turned against Ben in the chat. This has just become cruel and mean spirited in my opinion. I think you've worked behind the computer screen so much that you forgot what a smile and like a scrunched (laughs) face is, but that's your smile. Now anyway, really turning against you. We have a great show for you today, an important show for you today. Jamie Harrison, chair of the Democratic National Committee, will be joining the Midas Touch podcast, and we will be asking Jamie some tough questions excited to have him on the show and i am incredibly excited this week as well because i have another very special guest here guys you know who's here who's there come on midas mom hi boys Hey, mama. Now, our, our mom, Randy, has just entered the chat. You all know her from the YouTube live chat rooms, but she is out of the chat room and into the podcast momentarily. What's up, mom? You're in L.A.? Correct. I'm in L.A. straight from New York. I'm just Ooh. kidding. I knew I knew that. I'm happy you escaped the storm and our Ma, thoughts what do you think about what do you every, sorry I'm, I'm saying I'm actually I saying know. something right now. I'm, like, nice. Who's our talking? Are Boys, I feel like you're back in uh, elementary school. What's going will you, on? Will you let me send my love and, and uh, strength to the people yes. on the East Coast yes. and in New York who are going through Hurricane Ida right now? Because that's what I would like to do. My thoughts are with everybody in New York experiencing the footage has just been horrifying. Ma, happy you're here and safe and with I'm happy I'm here too, bro. brothers. Unfortunately, you're not not with your favorite son, but that will hopefully change later today. <laughs> and we will fix that. <laughs> well, I did visit Jordy. Now, Ben and Brett, you're next. Save the best for last. And there you go. Ma, what do you, think? do you think? How do you think Brett's smile is these days? Ben was making fun of Brett's smile before. What do you think? I think it's pretty good. Who was making ben fun of Ben said, I have a funny face. And Stop I said, that's my smile. Stop picking on each other, boys. Incre- incredibly rude. Incredibly, incredibly rude. <laughs> I think he has a beautiful smile. I Thanks. do too. Thank you, mom. Great having you here. We're going to uh, have an, a, a good week here and uh, excited to share that with the Midas Mighty. So great having you. Thank you. And truth I'm is so golden. proud of Truth is golden. And I'm so proud of all three of you. Love Thanks. you. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you in the chat room. We'll see you in the chat. We have a lot to discuss today on the podcast. Um, And I want to talk about just from the outset what everybody is talking about now. In addition, though, to the horrific flooding that Brett pointed out and our hearts go out and our thoughts go out to anyone, New York, New Jersey, on the East Coast who are going through um, some devastating weather uh, situations out there. But I want to talk about what the Supreme Court did. And Brett, we were saying this, um, Democrats were saying this, progressives, independents, people who support women, people who support women's reproductive rights, the reproductive rights um, of any childbearing person. We warned 
about this and in October. And we were told, oh, you're just pie in the sky. They're not going to overturn Roe v. Wade. And we said that is exactly what this Supreme Court is going to do. And here you have it right now, Texas passing a law that essentially prohibits abortions after six weeks of the pregnancy. Um, They structured this law in a way that says that the government wouldn't be able to enforce it, but that private citizens would be able to sue anyone who aids and abets somebody who gets an abortion. I need clarification on that, Ben, because I think that point is actually really interesting. And I think it's a weird loophole that they found to, to get this than the Supreme Court to let this go through. And I know you're going to do a deeper dive on this Sunday's Legal AF, so everybody make sure to subscribe to Legal AF. But what does that mean? So there's no actual government enforcement mechanism to enforce this law? So the law doesn't have or permit the government to actually enforce the abortion ban. Instead, it places it in the hands of private citizens who literally can sue each other for helping or assisting somebody getting an abortion. So it's like a lawsuit. So you can sue somebody and get money by ratting them out, which is like the ultimate Orwellian 1984, literally brown shirts of citizens. It's putting bounties on the head of women. And by the way, it's putting bounties, not just on the head of women who got abortions. It's putting bounties on the head of all women in Texas because everybody could be accused of this now. And six weeks, by the way, that's not even enough time in most cases to even know if somebody's pregnant. So what they did with that six week number is they just effectively banned abortion outright. And it seems like above all, Ben, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like just a scare tactic. They want to scare women in the state to not getting abortions. Correct. And the Supreme Court basically used the logic that the Texas legislature and governor wanted, which is there is no government. There's no one to sue yet. Right. Because the private enforcement mechanism hasn't been implemented. So in theory, when a private citizen files the lawsuit, that lawsuit would then get appealed through the various stages of the court systems and eventually reach the Supreme Court. But the Supreme Court said at this stage, because the government's not enforcing it, we're not going to touch this law. And that required, you know, a, you know, very strange stretch of like legal jujitsu that was done by the majority here to try to uh, allow this abortion ban um, to take place. And as the dissenters uh, basically said, Justice Sotomayor joined by Justice Breyer and Justice Kagan and even Chief Justice Roberts, who was appointed by George W. Bush, basically calling it a very unusual and bizarre mechanism. They all called it out as we all know what this law is. It's an end run around Roe v. Wade. And now the Supreme Court just allowed Texas to get away with it. And so what you're going to do is truly inspire scare tactics and fear tactics, which has the effect of prohibiting abortion. 
Yeah, and it's really obviously a a sad day, I think, for the country. I think it's a sad day for women's reproductive rights, for women's health. And the only silver lining that I could possibly see here is that I hope this activates people in a way that they've never seen before. I hope that this inspires all of you, that it lights a fire in all of you to turn the blue wave into a blue tsunami and understand that every election is important, whether it's the recall election here in California, whether it is congressional elections in 2022 and beyond. We need to treat every election like it's existential. This did not happen in a vacuum. You need to go back to 2016. That leads directly to this ruling that we saw today, or really in the dead of night, which is when the Supreme Court made this ruling. And every election is important. That's all I got to say. And as the Republicans succeed in these efforts, they are going to try to bring this nationwide. And last night I mentioned that they're going to take this as a rubber stamp by the Supreme Court to enact these laws everywhere. Before I even hit tweet, there were already bills being tossed around or officials in states, including I saw this morning in Florida, yeah. uh, one of the people in the Florida State Senate, they said that they were going to pass a similar heartbeat law, as they call it in their state. Expect them to take this nationwide in all red states across the country. And to be honest, these are incredibly hypocritical laws because they make women less safe. They actually make abortion more likely, but in a much less safe way. There's a reason why I'll, I'll do a little quiz with you guys. Uh oh, what? Here, here, here's my test. What states do you think have the highest infant mortality rates? I would say states. in I would say in Republican states. I the mean, red the red states. What what states would you say have the most teen pregnancies? I would states. say Republican states. What states watch the most porn? The red states. Yeah, <laughs> the red states. Which states have the most STDs? Red states. I think you're getting. I think you're getting a theme. I think here. we're getting a red, red, red states. The Bible Belt are where the states are where it's more dangerous to have pregnancies, where there are more pregnancies, because these are the states where they are defunding education in the space and mm. they are removing the opportunities for women to get the proper health care. And when that happens, when that's the result of what you are seeing, you have no right to ever call yourself pro-life when what you are doing is causing increased death and trauma in the population. I just want to say the exact quote from the Florida Senate President uh, Wilton Simpson. He said that there is no question that the Florida legislator will consider an abortion bill uh, in this upcoming cycle. That's there is no question that that was his exact terminology. Well, I have no doubt about that. I mean, literally, all they have to do is copy and paste the Texas bill. They know that the Supreme Court will not stop and join this type of bill for any significant period of time. And so all the states are going to copy it. Quote, the court's order is stun stunning, presented with an application to enjoin a flagrantly unconstitutional law engineered to prohibit women from exercising their constitutional rights and evade judicial scrutiny. A majority of justices have opted to bury their heads in the sand. This from the dissent of Justice Sotomayor. Again, quote, this from Justice Kagan, quote, the majority's decision is emblematic of too much of this court's shadow docket decision making, which every day becomes more unreasoned, inconsistent and impossible 
to defend. Kagan goes on to say the majority barely bothers to explain its conclusion and rewards Texas's scheme to insulate its law from judicial review by deputizing private parties to carry out unconstitutional restrictions on the state's behalf. That from Justice Kagan and Justice Sotomayor, Obama appointees standing up for decency, standing up for reproductive rights, standing up for the rights of persons giving birth and for women's reproductive rights. And so that is, and I want to let people know, that type of language and a dissent is almost unheard of. I mean, basically calling the majority criminals, calling them corrupt, calling them a shadow docket that that engages in this conspiracy to take away rights without any transparency. Make no mistake. That's what Justice Kagan and Sotomayor are calling those five justices who voted to permit this law to continue. She's calling them criminals in this. And speaking of criminals, we need to step up, people. We need to step up, people, because when I see a ruling like that, and then did you guys see What McCarthy said, as it's becoming increasingly clear that the select committee on the insurrection is moving towards moving towards subpoenaing telecom companies right now. It's at kind of that informal stage of trying to cooperatively work to get the records and the message from McCarthy. And we have to ask this question to Jamie Harrison when we have him on is basically saying to telecom companies, quote, a Republican majority will not forget we will hope this is what he's saying that the Republican majority will not forget what you do. And if you comply that the Republican party is going to retaliate and Brett and Jordy, you'll also remember this when private companies like Coca-Cola and Delta in Georgia were also speaking out against the voter suppression bills. Remember Ted Cruz and others said, Mm -hmm. we're coming after you private corporations for trying to prevent us from having voter suppression bills. They, and we, we talked about it. I think we called it, they use the term Hugo Chavez. It's all projection. Like that's the shaviest thing in the world, what these GQPers want to do. And this telecom thing is just an example of that. And it's another example of hypocrisy. It's another example of their complete overreach. And it's interesting also to note, you may remember, some people may remember that in 2016, McCarthy and House Republicans had no issues subpoenaing private companies for data on Hillary Clinton's email server. But her emails, Brett. Butter emails, but it all goes back to 2016. The 2016 election is going to be in history as one of the most impactful elections that changed our society, and obviously not for the better. But with all these things, we need action. And I think oftentimes we put too much faith in others. And we have Jamie Harrison on. It's easy to blame the Democrats for not acting. It's easy to blame certain people who voted certain way. It's just easy to push blame on other people. But what I just want everybody to do is to look inward and say, okay, what am I gonna do about it right now? Because our only way is forward. What am I gonna do about it? Am I gonna show up? Am I gonna vote no in the recall election? Am I gonna vote for Democratic candidates in 2022? Am I gonna vote for Democrats in 2024? Because the only way that we could 
get progress in the way that we need is to have the numbers there. The Democrats' hands are tied in a lot of these situations, and there's really not much they could do when Republicans control the government in Texas, when Republicans control the Supreme Court, thanks to 50-plus years of work by the Heritage Foundation and other think tanks like the Federalist Society. We need to be doing the work on the ground. And people, even when we were making ads and stuff for this election, 2020, we had people saying, you know what, Democrats don't care about the courts. Let's not focus on the courts. It's time to fucking care about the courts. This is where the laws are ultimately going to be decided. We need to care about the courts the same way that Republicans care about the courts. I was comforted today, just to go back to the abortion issue for just a minute, to see that Pelosi and President Biden came out with a plan at least to get started on how to respond to this. Pelosi said they were going to introduce a bill when they returned to codify Roe v. Wade into law. But once again, I don't know. I don't think we have the numbers to get legislation like this passed. We don't. The, 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 it, we don't. But as you have statements like that from Pelosi and Biden, play the clip of Marjorie Taylor Greene, one of the leaders of the GQP. And this is what she said regarding the telecommunication companies complying with subpoenas. Well, these telecommunications companies, if they go along with this, they will be shut down. And that's a promise. Good. I hope they're afraid of you. They should be. <laughs> Just the clown show. It doesn't get more I mean, obvious she- than that. She's she's a complete joke. She has nothing to do. Literally, she has nothing to do. She's on no committees. She does no real work. She is essentially hired. We pay her to be a Twitter troll. That's all Marjorie Taylor Greene does. And the only thing that I think of when I see Kevin McCarthy release his statement, when I see Marjorie Taylor Greene rush to Fox News, I saw Mo Brooks release a similar statement about the telecom companies. I saw Jim Jordan. Finally, we spoke about it on the last show. I admit that he spoke to Trump and he's threatening the telecom companies. You see Madison Cawthorn out there calling for bloodshed in the streets if things don't go the Republicans way. This is what fear looks like. That's what fear looks like. They are terrified. I personally, before, I was interested in what was in these phone records, but I didn't think they were going to be the end-all, be-all. Now that I've seen this full assault from the right wing against getting these phone records, my interest is peaked. And I think whatever is in there is probably incredibly damning information. And I'm excited that the January 6th committee is going to pursue this. Can you just play that clip one more time? Because not that clip of Marjorie Taylor Greene, but play the clip of what she called Biden um, the other day um, when she posted on Gibber Jabber HN <laughs> to, to whatever her crew is. Just play that clip because there's nothing like that to me epitomizes what this GQP is. Joe Biden, you're not a president. You're a piece of shit. I just want you to watch that because that is someone who is, are you, are you, what kind of faces are you doing there, Brett? Are you, he's smiling, man. Leave him no, alone. That, these, face, these faces are for that video of Marjorie Taylor Greene because I'm not talking about her appearance here, but she is an incredibly ugly person. When you hear that and I mean, the, the decency, the humanity, the compassion in Biden just trying to bring people together and seeing Marjorie Taylor Greene say that and that that is mainstream GQP should inspire you listening to this. It should inspire you watching this. This isn't about Democrats and Republicans anymore. This is about a fight 
for our democracy. This is a fight. You saw my mom. This is a fight of, for our family members. This is a fight for our loved ones. This is a fight for all people in the United States of America. And the GQP wants to take that from you. I, I remember, Brett, on the last podcast, I did a rant about how the GQP tries to act that when the CDC is asking people to wear masks, that that's because people are trying to control other people. And I was just reflecting on that. They go, they just want to control us with the masks. No one wants to control you with the masks. We're just trying to limit some of the deaths. We know we can't be perfect, but we're just trying to help out. But it got me thinking about what it is that the GQP actually wants to do. They want to create that show on Hulu, The Handmaid's Tale. They really, is that what it's called, The Handmaid's Tale? Yeah, honestly, it's why I stopped watching Handmaid's Tale personally, because I started viewing it as too close to like a documentary of what was happening in America under Trump. And I I literally stopped watching because of that, because I was so horrified by the comparisons. And every single day that we see Republicans gain more and more power across the country, I get more and more afraid that that is the reality and it currently kind of is the reality in Texas. They use the term deep state, but at the end of the day, as those dissenting opinions that I just read to you talk about the real shadow docket, the real lack of transparency and people trying to control reproductive rights, people trying to control you at your house, people trying to take power away from private companies for complying with the law. That's the GQP. They want power for power's sake to control and to amplify and create this idiocracy. That's what they want to create. And Ben, these are the same people who are just saying, I can't wear a mask. My body, my choice. No masks here. My body, my choice. Vaccine, uh uh-uh. My body, my choice. But now when it comes to a ban on abortions, it's, oh, your body, my choice also. Your body, my choice. My body, my choice. Hmm. It's all my choice. I have control over you. We got to bring in Jamie Harrison now because I'm fired up. I need to ask Jamie Harrison, what is the Democratic Party doing right now to win in 2022? What is the Democratic Party doing to spread our pro-democracy message in the face of a true authoritarian threat that is here in the United States in the form of the GQP? We'll be right back after these messages with Jamie Harrison. Ben, Jordy, as we're seeing around the world, climate change is becoming a bigger and bigger issue. And I think it's important that all of us step up and start buying natural products, recyclable products, and stop contributing to the travesties that we're seeing all around the country. And that's why I love using Grove Collaborative. Dude, Grove is the best. It's really phenomenal. You know, companies around the world, guys, are using two billions, two billion, that's a B, pounds of new plastic every single day. And no matter how much we put into our recycling bins, only 9% of that plastic actually gets recycled. So Grove Collaborative, they believe it's time to stop making single-use plastic. The great thing about Grove is it's an online marketplace that takes the guesswork out of going green. Every single product they have is guaranteed to be good for you, your family, your home, and the planet. 
and I got a bunch of stuff on Grove. I got everything from hand sanitizer to floor cleaner to treats for my dog. They really have everything that you need. And the cool thing is you know that everything you're getting is going to be those things. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for your pets. It's going to be good for your home. It's going to be good for the environment. So join over 2 million households right now who choose to shop sustainably at Grove. Shipping is fast and free on your first order. Choosing products that are better for you and the planet have never been easier. And for a limited time, this is a pretty good offer, guys. When our listeners go to grove.com slash Midas Touch, you'll get a free starter set with your first order. That's grove.com slash Midas Touch to get your exclusive offer. Go to grove.com slash Midas Touch. That's M-E-I-D-A-S. T-O-U-C-H. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. We are joined by Jamie Harrison, chairman of the Democratic National Committee. Jamie, if I may call you that, welcome to the Midas Touch podcast. All right. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. And let me just say, I'm a big fan. You, you guys do some amazing work and uh, you often say some stuff that I want to say, but I can't. So. <laughs> I don't know. So, let's see if we can, let's see if we could get you on this interview. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll do our best. But first, on a very serious topic, I, I want to talk about Afghanistan. Jamie Biden yeah. addressed the nation this week. He called the evacuation of Afghanistan an extraordinary success, an end to an era of United States using military power to remake other countries. Do you agree with this? And also, more importantly, do you think the American people agree with him? Yeah. You know, first, I, I like to start off by, you know, just with a moment of gratitude for the sacrifice of the 13 heroes in Afghanistan who lost their lives last week. Um, you know, those service members were heroes. They're American heroes. And I, I extend my deepest condolences to their families. I, I, um, I, I can't fathom what they are going through, how hard it is. Uh, my uncle went over to Afghanistan and came back just a, a, a shell of who, uh, of who he was when he went there. Uh, and so, um, you know, we've all been touched by 20 years of this war. And uh, I just want to send my heartfelt condolences to them. You know, as it relates to the president uh, and his decision, I mean, it's very clear. I think he was clear in his several of his remarks in that, you know, he was faced with one of two choices. Do you uh, stay and escalate uh, where we are or or do we leave and and close the book on this 20 year military presence in this country? And he decided since he was the fourth American president reside over a war in Afghanistan, two Democrats, two Republicans, that it was clear that uh, he didn't was not going to pass this on to a fifth president. And um, and so I think his decision was the right one. Uh, you think about what happened over the course of 17 days. We evacuated one hundred and twenty thousand people, Incredible. Uh, U.S. citizens, Afghan allies, uh, you know, diplomats. I mean, that's amazing. I don't know if that has ever happened in the history of the world. Right. And we've ended the presence there in Afghanistan. And uh, so I, I applaud the president on, on his efforts, on his leadership, um, not being mealy mouth, as my grandma says. Uh, he was very clear and very focused. And, you know, he was committed to closing this chapter in, in America's history. 
you know, in the past, when an evacuation like this would happen, if tragedy would strike, Americans, regardless of their political party, Democrat, Republican, independent, would rally together as one nation to support the troops, to support the country. And what was so upsetting here is that immediately the Republican Party tried to politicize this, turn this into anti-Biden, anti-democratic rhetoric. And it just feels so different than in the past when we come when we came together. How do we grapple with that, Jamie? Well, Ben, I think partly because this is a different Republican Party. This is a Republican Party that isn't focused on uh, doing what's in the best interest of America. It's, in inter- it's focused on doing what's in the best interest of the Republican Party, uh, how they can get power. And, and when they get power, what the hell do they do with it? Uh, you know, give tax cuts to their uh, billionaire country club friends and uh, or, you know, some of the big consultants so that they can buy more planes and or bombs and all the like, and they can get bigger contributions. Um, in the end of the day, this president and this party has been focused on the American people. What is in the best interest of America and its people? Uh, not what's in the best interest politically of his party. If it was about politics and Joe Biden should have just said, you know what, look, Afghanistan, we've been doing it for 20 years. Let's just continue going a few other years and let me pass the buck to the next uh, person who's president of the United States because I don't want to deal with this tough and difficult issue. I mean, if you look at the Republicans, they have been on every side of the Afghanistan debate, advocating for an endless war, uh, you, you get folks like uh, uh, Lindsey Graham, send, let's send more troops in. Then you got something that said, let's pull out all the troops and you need to pull them out now. Don't wait until August. Let's pull them out now. Uh, supporting the withdrawal, but then opposing it. Uh, the one thing that, it, that has been consistent with the Republican Party, they will lie about anything that President Biden is uh, <laughs> involved in. Because ultimately, again, it's only about power for them. You know, listening to the the hypocrites like uh, Pompeo and Nikki Haley, people who negotiated, these goddamn people negotiated with the Taliban. And then Nikki Haley has the gall to write an op-ed that says, to negotiate with the Taliban is beyond the pale. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, do you recognize that that was you? I can show you your picture. Here are the receipts. It was you. It was Mike Pompeo. You negotiated to release 5,000 Taliban uh, folks from prison. And now you're shocked that those 5,000 prisoners are there helping them take over the country. Come on, people. You set the damn table. Uh, You know, and this president decided to take the bad hand you dealt him and try to make it it the best way he could uh, to get us out of this war. But they're hypocrites and they don't care about being on the side of truth and facts. It's only about lies in order to get political power. And what they want with the political power, the ends ultimately that they say kind of justify the means, though, is the most bizarre kind of death cultish agenda that there is. I mean, they're openly anti-vax. They're ultimately pro-insurrection. They're not even QAnon curious. They're full-fledged supporters of, uh, many of them are supporters or have said things to support the cult. And, And you've said it directly, you know, on social media recently, like these people 
appear to be trying to destroy America. There's no other way to say it, Jamie. Am I right? No, there is no other way. I mean, it, it is galling. You know, I worked on the floor of the House of Representatives for a number of years. I remember when the Bush administration was there and the economy cratered and uh, we had to work together with Republicans in order you know, to, to work out a, a plan to save the economy. I remember the re- last reauthorization of the Voting Rights Act, how John Lewis worked with a, a Republican House, a Republican Senate, a Republican president, and overwhelmingly got a bipartisan uh, approval of the last reauthorization of, of the Voting Rights Act. I remember when Democrats took over the House and we passed the minimum wage, last minimum wage increase, because Democrats in the House and the Senate worked with George W. Bush's White House in order to get that done. You know, I remember a time when, yes, we were of different parties, but the unifying thing is both parties love this country. And I think of the Jamie who worked in the House at that moment, looking at what happened on January 6th and how this Republican Party has treated everything since that moment. Uh, it, it, it is mind blowing. I don't recognize this party. The, the things that I see coming out of this party are things that I would expect coming out of Russia or China or something to that extent. Something is fundamentally broken and wrong in the Republican Party right now. And it breaks my heart. Uh, and I'm not saying this as you know the chair of the Democratic Party, as an American, yeah. to see a, a party that I would say I agree, disagreed with. Uh, in terms of their policy oriented, but I felt fundamentally they loved the country. They just had a different approach to illustrating that love. I can't say that these days. I, I am really, really shocked. And Kevin McCarthy is the worst leader that I have seen in my history of being walking this the face of this earth. The man is feckless. The man doesn't have a spine or a backbone. And I mean, a man who will pick out the starburst for a, a crazy president because he likes the pink ones and the yellow ones or the orange ones. That's a dangerous man to give the goddamn speaker uh, of the house gavel to. And we can't allow that to happen. We have to fight with everything that we have because we see if we give these people power, we won't recognize the country that we live in. Afterwards. Jamie, you're talking my language right now. I, I, I got to say that. So here's the thing though. You have people like Kevin McCarthy out there now just blatantly obstructing justice, going about the telecom companies threatening retribution if they abide by a subpoena, by a congressional subpoena. And I think that is criminal. I think that's against law. I think it, there there are laws on the books about impeding hearings and, and stepping in the way of Congress doing its job. Kevin McCarthy better call, the, uh, call his attorneys or something, call the office, because homeboy, you need to, you need to chill out with this stuff. When you have a McCarthy outwardly doing that, when you have Madison Cawthorn calling for bloodshed at his rallies, calling for people to take the streets and to arm, I think people on our end, people who contact us go, what are the Democrats doing about this? Yes, it's criminal, but nobody seems to be facing any repercussions for these statements, for these actions. What can we do? What can you do as the chair of the DNC? And what should DOJ be doing? How do we deal with this right now? Well, listen, you know, the one thing my grandma always told me, uh, Brett, she's like, Jamie, you control what you can control. 
Uh, I'm the chair of the DNC. And so there's there's my purview in terms of what I have. Now, that doesn't say that I don't have influence in the other areas or I I can't talk to the people there. And I've encouraged, you know, Democrats in the House and the Senate is to speak the truth. Let the American people see the corrupt uh, actions that are taking place uh, on the other side. And I think you will see with uh, the January 6th commission, I know Benny Thompson very well. And I can tell you there is nothing that Kevin McCarthy will say to keep Benny Thompson from seeking out the truth. Uh, and, and he's not going to do it in a partisan fashion. He's just going to be like a dog on a bone and stick out the truth. And, 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 and that's what the American people send folks to Congress to do. I feel so much confidence uh, knowing that that commission that has, and it's a bipartisan commission, uh, will do its job. Uh, and, and show, uh, you know, whose hands are dirty, who, who was in the cookie jar. And I think then the Congress will have to act on uh, and, and possibly even the Justice Department on what, what may happen as a result of it. Um, but it's, this is not something that I have any joy in, none whatsoever, because ultimately it hurts the nation. We don't need to be in this place. Think about it if we just get Kevin McCarthy to work with Speaker Pelosi. I mean, uh, just on the January 6th commission alone, the speaker gave them everything that he requested, every single yeah. thing. She, uh, she gave that to him in the negotiations. He sent his person to negotiate, and his person felt betrayed afterwards because they said, well, well Mr. Leader, this is all the stuff you said I need to get. We got that. And now you're saying you don't want it? It's because he understood. He probably asked some of the other ones about their uh, texting records and all that and said, oh, we, <laughs> we, we better not be supportive of this. <laughs> Therefore, we need to throw this out. Um, but it's shameful. What? It is absolutely shameful and it's un-American. Um, and so I'm going to do everything that I can as a Democratic Party uh, chair to support our efforts to keep the majorities in the House and the Senate because we can't turn that over to these guys. Uh, they are they epitomize corruption. Um, and uh, we we just can't do that. And I hope, you know, with folks like Speaker Pelosi, I know that they will do everything in their power uh, to make sure that the truth comes out to life. And so, Jamie, how are we positioned for the midterms right now? We got a lot of people who are very worried that the deck is stacked against us. They're looking at these voter suppression rules. They're looking at partisan gerrymandering happening throughout the country. So can we keep the House and the Senate? Can we grow our majorities here? What's the plan? Well, you should always if you're involved in politics, you you should always be worried. Um, So folks never, never get too comfortable. Uh, and I think in, in some of the years past, that's that was part of our problem. We got too comfortable. We thought, oh, we got this great charismatic president. You know, we got 60 votes in the United States right. Senate so we can fight like hell amongst ourselves and keep uh, and forget that we need to ultimately deliver for the American people. So the first thing that we have to do as Democrats is that that job continue to deliver for the American people. That's going to be extremely important. So we need to get past this infrastructure bill. We need to pass uh, the, the, you know, sort of the social infrastructure bill, the family plan that the president has put out there, talking about health care and elder care and child care. All of those things are crucial. We need to do what we need to find some path forward in voting rights, because ultimately we need to make the case to the American people that we will deliver for them and we have delivered for them. 
we've already done so many good things, the child tax credit, money in pockets, uh, the increased vaccines, money for our schools and for our local uh, communities and jurisdictions, uh, uh, housing, unemployment, all of those things we've been able to deliver. There's so much more that we have to continue to do. Now, once we deliver, we need to make sure that we go out and tell people that we have delivered for them. Yes. We can't forget that that's, that, that marketing piece is going to be important. They need to know that not one Republican voted for uh, many of those things that I've just mentioned earlier. They're trying to take credit for it, but not, not, not one of them voted for it. And the American people need to understand that. So when they get this broadband and they get all these things uh, uh, that they desperately need, they need to know that it was Democrats that made it happen. Republicans talked about it, but Democrats delivered on it. And then we need to make sure that we have the infrastructure on the campaign side to do that. And that's what we are building each and every day at the DNC. I have already pledged almost $70 million uh, thus far, this cycle, in terms of preparation for the 2022 cycle. Uh, And that's money for the largest voter protection staff ever at the DNC. It's money for voter registration. For the first time in almost 30 years, the DNC is going to be engaged in the voter registration process. We're putting boots on the ground right now. We just got through our first cohort of young people that we're going to embed in some of our battleground states going into 2022. Uh, We're putting communication staff in, in states. We're training our state parties. We put the largest investment in the 57 state and territory strategy ever. So I know people like to talk about what Governor Dean did. This is a 50 state strategy on steroids. We put $23 million into our state parties. Uh, we've even created a red state fund to help states uh, who need a little more resources to be able to compete against the Republicans. So we're doing a lot right now to in preparation because we can't wait until 2022 to begin these efforts. We gotta start it now. Uh, and so uh, I'm I'm excited about it because, uh, you know, it, it is so important and so necessary, but there's still a whole lot more we got to do. For sure. And I think our listeners are going to be really happy to hear all the work that the DNC is doing right now. I think it's easy to armchair quarterback, so to speak, from behind a Twitter account and say, why aren't they doing more? Why aren't they doing more? But we're in a government. We're in a process. We have an extremely slim majority. And that's why we need to go out there and vote and elect more Democrats, because we're bound by the system. Regardless of what you think, we are bound by the system that's out there. And Brett, let me let me add on that. Folks, you all know I like to get on Twitter every now and then. Usually I'm holding my, my two-year-old trying to put him to sleep. And so if you see this mad rush of tweets and retweets <laughs> from me, that's usually what's happening right now. I'm going to picture it every <laughs> or, time now. <laughs> or, or, or in between call time and I'm, you know, I'm calling like the, the hundredth person of the day asking for resources to do all this. Uh, you know, sometimes I get on Twitter too. But, but, but this is the thing I tell people. I'm not going to give 100% of what our game plan is on social media. Why am I not going to do that? Folks, because Rona McDaniel reads my tweets too. So why the hell am I going to put out every single thing that we are planning and doing as a Democratic Party so that they can plan against it? I'm not going to do that. So I will give you the highlights from time to time. I'll tell you about some of the things, but there are a lot of things that are happening under uh, behind the scenes that sometimes you're not going to be privy to. I know we're in a 24 news cycle. Everybody feels like they need to know everything and every <laughs> second, 
everything that I do. I mean, I don't know you brush your teeth this morning, but I trust that you did. So you got to trust that we're doing what we need to do in order to, to save this democracy. I got two young boys, a seven-year-old and a two-year-old. I love them more than I love life itself. And I will not allow my young boys to grow up in a world like my grandparents grew up in. And so if I'm not doing it for you, I'm doing it for them. I'm doing it for the young boys and young girls growing up all around this country. So I want you to know this, folks. Uh, is Jamie working? I'm not drinking mojitos on the side <laughs> of the beach. I wish I was. And my wife would say I work too much. But it's because we have to work hard in order to save this democracy. I, I've never done anything in my life half-assed, and I'm not going to start now at, as DNC chair. I'm going to throw everything we possibly have at this thing because we have to. But I can't do it by myself. These guys can't do it by themselves as well. This has to be all hands on deck. So before you get on Twitter and say, well, what are you doing? Think and look in the mirror and say, well, what are you doing? I need you to go get in contact with your local Democratic Party, your county party, your state party. Get involved. Volunteer. Knock on doors. Get people registered. Um we got so much work to get done that we don't have time to throw stones at each other. We got to work together. See what we did in Georgia? That is when the entire democratic ecosystem works together, rolls in the same direction, is on the same page for message, message and mission and how we get this done. And we were able to make history. We can do the same thing in 2022, but we got to do it together. Stop throwing stones at each other and let's work together to get this shit done. Sorry for my language. No, uh, it's encouraged on this podcast, Jamie. <laughs> the more cursing, the better. The more cursing, the more viral the clips, I think, is the formula. But if you're not inspired right now, everybody, after hearing what DNC chair Jamie Harrison just said, use that as fuel to get out there and do what Jamie just said, because that's how we win. We won in 2020. We won the Georgia special elections by building this broad coalition where we all stood together and understood the stakes. And as we look to Texas right now and we see the draconian laws that they are passing there, we could trace that back to us not voting in 2016 and the impact that that had on the Supreme Court. So every election has ramifications and we all need to stay encouraged and stay inspired. I know everybody in the comments is saying, Brett, stop talking already. Let Jordy ask a question. Jordy, I'll let you ask a question in just a second. Don't and worry. Jordy, have you brushed your teeth this morning? Absolutely. I've brushed. <laughs> Jamie, all they do is pick on me on these podcasts. As the, youngest, as the youngest brother, that's all they do. It's not fair, man. Jamie, you so exposed Jordy with that brush yeah, your teeth. Example. I saw, I saw, I saw Jordy. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh no, how does Jamie know? <laughs> Jordy, we are going to have to get further confirmation, as they say, trust but verify. We will get further confirmation from your fiance on if you brushed your teeth or not. But moving on, one of the things you mentioned, uh, Jamie, was the idea of local politics. And yes. I think it's often overlooked because everything is so national. We're hearing about national figures all the time. One of the things that scares me personally as, as an accidental activist who's come in here is seeing these kind of school board meetings being overrun by these far-right QAnon people, seeing these local election boards, all these people. Like That's where the energy seems to be on the right right now. It's, it's sort of infiltrating at the very local level. So are you guys aware of what's going on there and what can we do to combat that? Yes. Well, I, I'm keeping close tabs on that. Uh, and we're actually working on some a series of trainings for our state parties so that they can work with our county parties and local clubs uh, 
to be prepared for this. Um, you know, school board elections are nonpartisan elections uh, for the most part in this country. Um, but that doesn't mean that the, the far right and it's, you know, the Heritage Foundation and many of these other far right groups are funding efforts on that side. We need to make sure that some of our progressive groups are doing the same thing, uh, that they are preparing for the action, the back and forth that's going to happen there. I mean, you think about how crazy, you know, they have taken things that make no sense, uh, like the, you know, CRT, and they, they'll talk about that. Well, there is no school system in the country, K through 12, that is talking about CRT. CRT is a concept in law schools, it, it, you know, as someone who has a law degree. And, and, and it's not even in all law schools that it, it's discussed. So it's not, but they, they come up with these red herrings um, that, that they throw out there in order to, to divide. You know, it's the Lee Atwater approach that the Republican Party still adheres to. Let's find ways uh, to demonize minority or ethnic groups or other folks who don't look like us, right? Uh, and make them into some bad apple saying that they're trying to get our kids or corrupt our kids or get our women or, or you know, all kinds of craziness that they do. Uh, and, and it just has to stop. Uh, there is so much that we need to do as a country, but we need to do it unified and we need to do it together. But we have one party who only wants to divide because that is the only path to, to power for them is to divide us. And so um, we are going to spend a lot of time and energy on a local level. I also meet on a monthly basis. Um, and this has not always been the, the occurrence uh, in the democratic e ecosystem. But on a monthly basis, I meet with the heads of the DNC, the DCCC, uh, the, well, I'm the DNC, the DCCC, the DSCC, the DLCC, the DAGA, the uh, secretaries of state, uh, uh, municipal officials, any democratic group out there. Um, I meet with them on a monthly basis so that we can be together on strategy and purpose so that I can hear what, what's going on in their slice of the democratic pie and that we can all come together um, in, in our purpose uh, and uh, be much more effective and efficient uh, with, with our strategy going forward. And I've, I've seen progress with that. Um, and so we're going to continue those efforts as well. And I'm going to do all that I can to help support uh, local communities and groups. We're sometimes constricted because of the federal laws. You know, we're a federal committee um, and there's certain things that I wish we could do, but we can't legally do. Um, but we are working with our partners to make sure uh, that the resources are available, trainings are available, uh, and we're not taking anything for granted. Love it. Jordy has returned from brushing his teeth and we'll let him uh, ask the question. <laughs> yes. Got a good Listerine in Jay. Good mouthwash. Okay. In that's, that's, that's enough. Jamie one. I can confirm <laughs> that. Yes, I did brush my teeth today as I do every day. And my brothers are jerks uh, to <laughs> switching gears slightly here. I feel like we're living in the age of like the golden age of misinformation from the Fox news yeah. the OANs, the Newsmax. I mean, there are stories being reported that there was a citizen in Afghanistan who was hanged from a helicopter. That's proven to be false. All these doctors, go, quote unquote, doctors going around the country spewing misinformation about COVID. Uh, there's a video, doctored video that went viral of President Biden sleeping, which turned out to be completely fabricated. How do we combat that? Yeah. You know, it, it's really, really hard to combat that um, because it's coming in every, every direction. We have a disinformation team at the DNC whose job is full time 
to find this stuff that's on on the web, push back against it. Uh, also, you know, to to chat with some of the platforms to flag it for them that this is a lie, and here's the proof that this is a lie. But the volume of it is so much that uh, it, it's hard to. It's like playing whack-a-mole. You know, it's hard. It's hard to knock down everyone because when you knock down one, another one pops up, and so. We're doing our best at the DNC to also equip um, our state parties to alert them on on this uh, these these things that come up uh, to make sure that they have the truth and they have the facts. But it's important, I think, for the platforms to also. I, I know they don't feel like it's in their just you know within their power uh, uh, to police us, but I almost feel like they have to because they're dire repercussions. Uh, if if we don't, I mean, we know that there's, you know, there are there's just certain facts and things that are true. I think it's also important for the media uh, who play a big role in this. They have to stop the both sides. Uh, you. you know, it, it used to be, you know, when I was growing up with my grandparents, um, when there were really like three news networks, right? You had NBC, ABC. Uh, and CBS. And so I had to sit and watch the, the nightly news with my grandfather because we had one TV. And when he wanted to watch something, you were watching whatever you wanted to watch. So, you know, it was Peter Jennings or Tom Brokaw or uh, uh, whom I'm uh, leaving out. Um, oh, Dan Rather. I, how can I leave out Dan Rather? So and you knew when they said something, it was it was factual. It was true. It was not a both sides. Right. Uh, these days, it's hard to tell, even on the main networks, uh, when you are getting spin and what that spin is and whether or not it's the brother of some right wing person or, you know, vice versa. Um, and so it's hard for people, busy people who are just trying to keep their heads above water to filter through all of that mess. Uh, and I think it, it's really important for our news, uh, you know, if they're going to be the fourth arm of, uh, of our democracy. I think they have to step up. They, there's an obligation there as well to, to speak the truth, to put the facts out uh, and not do the both sides dance. Jamie, before we go, I understand that the DNC has launched a podcast, which is, I think, a real innovative way of communicating. I think I could speak from firsthand. I hope it's an innovative way of communicating. <laughs> it's what I do. Um, but tell us about that. So a new podcast called Welcome to the Party, and uh, yours truly is the host. Um, uh, you know, I, I just did a, a, a recording today with Elizabeth Warren, and, uh, you know, we've had Beto, and we've had Cory Booker, and, uh, uh, you know, Julian Castro, so many great Democrats. But in addition to the national names, we're also talking to some local folks as well. Uh, you know, the, the person who's working on voter protection in Texas, people who are doing, you know, who are uh, organizing folks uh, in some of these communities that are so important, you know, Latino and African-American communities across the country. Because I want to make sure not only are we talking to the folks who are seen as leaders of the party on a national level, but people who are leaders of the party on a local level as well, whose work is really, really important. Uh, to making this democracy work and making the Democratic Party successful. Uh, I've enjoyed it so far. I used to, when I was state party chair, I had this, uh, uh, I guess it was a podcast also, but we did YouTube videos. It was called Chair Chats. 
And so as every presidential candidate came to South Carolina, they would come and sit and interview with me. And I would put them in these big white rocking chairs with a big pitcher of lemonade and we'd sit there and rock. And so there's, you know, Jamie and Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders <laughs> or uh, all kinds of folks. Uh, but we had a really good time and I, I, I'm having a great time on Welcome to the Party as well. And folks, you can go to where you get your podcasts uh, <laughs> and, and download it. But it, it's, it's a fun program. I'm enjoying it. Uh, and it's just another way for us to get our message and the things that we're doing in the party out to the American people. Midas Mighty, make sure you subscribe right now to Welcome to the Party. Jamie Harrison, chairman of the Democratic National Committee. We've always wanted you to be a guest. We appreciate you and everything you've said. You left us incredibly inspired. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And screen this a little bit because I don't want my mama to listen to me curse so much. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, you know, I. I forget that sometimes she likes to get involved in politics and she said, Oh, I saw your interview the other day. Ooh, I heard what you said. And I was like, Oh boy. So <laughs> just tell uh, her but, it was Jordy. Tell her Jordy said yeah, it. That's yeah, what, uh, I'll, just I'll blame, blame Jordy. It. I can't blame it on Jordy. You, you, <laughs> no, you totally can't blame it. Totally fine. You can. Okay, Jordy. Okay. <laughs> thank you guys again. I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. And thank you again for what you do. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie Harrison. We'll be right back after these messages. No, that's not What's up, Midas Mighty? Look who we got here. The founder of our favorite pillow company, One Fresh Pillow, Adrian Coates. Adrian, how are you? What's up, boys? Doing awesome. It's good to see you. It's great seeing you. So what is new with One Fresh Pillow, the most comfortable pillows I've ever tried, a pillow company that supports democracy? And if I do say so myself, the two coolest co-founders that I've ever met. Thank you. The best news is that over the past month, we were able to ship out like 2,000 pillows to people who placed Let's orders go. earlier this 2, year. 2,000 pillows. Let's go. Let's yes, go. and hands down, everyone has said, these pillows are absolutely worth the wait. I'm mad I didn't order more. <laughs> um, and they can't wait for us to have more in stock so they can order. I think the best move though, honestly, is just order. They'll come in when you get them. It's gonna be a minute because shipping is crazy, but everyone has agreed that they're worth the wait. And so that makes us feel so wonderful. Like that's just the best news to hear from customers. And I have to say this, Adrian, I loved the company. I loved its values. I loved how you supported the troops during the insurrection. You stepped up. And when I got the pillow, I said, please, please, please. I want this pillow to be as comfortable and I want to love it as much as I love the company. And it exceeded expectations. Um, your husband, uh, who's the co-founder, a massage therapist, who specifically designed these pillows for the maximum comfort. And I just want to say it is a great product made by great people who support and love of democracy so thank you so much adrian any final words to the midas mighty we love all of you you're all our pillow family and we would love for you to give our pillows a try onefreshpillow.com we have a brand new website and we're so proud of it it's got some beautiful images of our actual customers and we hope that everyone in the midas mighty will be part of our pillow family soon and be a one fresh pillow customer too go to onefreshpillow.com that's onefreshpillow.com adrian thank you so much thank you guys That's not a man. 
Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. Incredible having Jamie Harrison. Jamie was fired. Dude, he was pumped. Jamie was fired up, fellas. That was awesome. We need that energy. I, you know, I, you never know what you're going to get, right? Yeah, we've never met Jamie before, but to see that passion out of him made me excited because I know we are all angry right now and we are all passionate about what we are doing. And so to see that from the head of the DNC is extremely exciting. And uh, let's put that into action, guys. I, I love Jamie it. I'm putting that into action, excited for all the plans and all the money that he is pouring into races across the country. And now it's up to us. Like he said, he said, you got to look in the mirror, look to yourself. What could you do today to help mm-hmm. out? And I I think that's one of the takeaways from this episode. We need to step up and do everything that we have power of to make our policies a reality and to push forward the America that we want to see. And I'm glad that Jamie did not mention the deodorant issue. So Jordy's deodorant I, issue? I just want to yeah. say that's not yeah. even funny. Like a lot of people <laughs> watch this and like people are going to say like I'm a smelly person now. Like that's re- like honestly, it's really fucked up. Oh, mom, does Jordy brush his teeth every day? Okay, mom says that you brush your teeth every day. So I don't know. It's a little uh, hard to hear. I'm not sure, Does not sure I came through the microphone. Every day? This isn't funny. Like none of this is <laughs> a lot of people watch this. Like a lot of people listen to this and watch this. And I don't want that to be my MO. <laughs> are you really are you really upset, Jordy? Honestly? Hmm? Oh, Jordy's not upset. Uh, we're just messing uh, around with you. And Jamie knew we were messing around with Jamie you. Jamie knew. If, if anything, you are Jamie's favorite and you are the fan favorite, Jordy. Seriously, what a great interview with Jamie Harrison. It was great to have him on the show and uh, excited to get more. You know, we got some other phenomenal guests coming up that we're excited to uh, share with you. And the show just gets better and better, guys. And as we grow, just want to thank everybody out there for your support and for making it possible. I mean, there's a reason why the chair of the DNC wants to come on this show. And it's because he knows that the Midas Mighty are the most passionate, most dedicated, most loyal listeners out there who not only listen, but take action and make real change. We'll talk about more on the Texas law and the Supreme Court ruling, breaking it down in further detail on legal AF. If it's Sunday... If it's Sunday, it is legal, legal AF. AF. One you of come the up most... with that on your own. That's a good What'd one. You say you came up with that on your own, didn't you? I mean, it's somewhat taken from other no. shows, but but in theory, I think that's what it'd be. Jordy, what did you think about the interview with Jamie? I thought it was great. I thought it was great. I mean, look, you don't want anyone other than Jamie leading us. You know what I mean? I mean that that passion is is something I think you know we could all get behind. I think sometimes people think like the DNC is like the DOJ and it's like, why aren't you prosecuting Madison Cawthorn for his day? It's like, that's not what they do. They're like a, a political committee that makes advertisements and works I on love, strategy. I love yeah. that. He said, Hey, they basically said, I'm paraphrasing here. Hey assholes. I see what you're tweeting at me on Twitter. <laughs> Just know I'm working really hard behind the scenes. Yeah. I'm not going to lay out my game plan. Are you crazy? But no, I see what you're saying. So just guys back off Jamie a little bit. All right. I like that, Jamie, a true courageous leader. I am grateful that Jamie Harrison came on this podcast. Incredible interview. Thank you, Jamie Harrison. Hopefully the Midas Mighty is pumped up right now. If you're living in California, make sure you're very pumped up. 
Do not take any of this polling for granted and make sure you're reaching out to anybody in your family to vote no on the Republican recall. And we need to start getting fired up right now about 2022. 2022 is right around the corner. Last time I checked my calendar, it's September. OK, we're right around the corner in 20 September. Oh, my. It is wild. unbelievable. <laughs> we we need your passion now. Don't wait until last minute. Get fired up. Get out there. Do something. And thank you for supporting Midas Touch. This is Ben Micellis joined by Brett, your favorite. Jordy, we'll see you next time on the Midas Touch podcast. Shout out to the Midas Mighty!